You're using these wonderful and weak vessels that you have given us. Like, just, Lord, thank you that you get to use these wonderful women in mighty ways, and, Father, ways that they're not even seeing. And, Father, I just ask that as they're sharing, that spurs us on. See some familiar faces. It's great. Of course, we also see some we have not met before. So good to meet you all. It was lovely to have the worship with you. Just to worship the Lord. What a privilege. Well, just to be able to sing to the Lord, lift our hands. Uh, it's so great. And uh, so thank you for that. It was nice, great worship. Um, we haven't been here for just over two years, two and a half years, I think, uh, because of many things that happened all over the world. I'm sure you all know exactly what I'm speaking about. So we were here about almost two and a half years ago, went back to Russia, we were in Ukraine, Russia, etc., then quickly flew back to South Africa to do our Belarus visas because we had to be in Belarus. And then uh, the day before, we had to fly. Our suitcases were packed. It was standing at the door. The next morning, we will go to the airport. It was announced that the borders of Russia will close because of this little virus called COVID. And uh, so we couldn't fly. And South Africa closed. And then for a year and nine months, we were stuck in South Africa, and uh, it was really a shock to the system. <laughs> I mean, we were ready to go. And, but what is amazing to me, again, just to realize that even in the midst of that, God still works. It's still amazing. God never stops working. And even that did not surprise God. We quickly realized we could say in South Africa, groan and moan and complain, or we can be happy and do God's work, even if it means over Zoom and all of that. So, of course, we got very busy online with our countries at good times, and, and we, we're grateful to the Lord for that. But very, very early on, a couple of weeks in this lockdown, the Lord gave me a scripture um, where John was baptizing people, and then suddenly he told the people that, you know, I, I'm supposed to baptize, and this is Jesus. I did not recognize him, the Bible says. He did not rec recognize Jesus as the Messiah at that moment, but the Spirit said, the one you baptize, the Holy Spirit will come down. You all know that scriptures very well. But that little word, I, I did not recognize him. And so I asked the Lord to help us to recognize him in every situation. That even the COVID was 
it's still part of God's plan. You know, it's still God can use it. And, and I wanted to recognize what he was doing in my life as well as all around the world. And it's amazing, Marinda will share some, some things that God actually did just in the last two years in the most impossible time for God to move, God moved. And a lot of things happened in Russia and, and in Ukraine, Mongolia, in Central Asia, etc., in all the countries where we have the privilege of serving the Lord. And uh, so the borders opened. We went back to Russia at last. Uh, for three months we were there. And the day when the war started was the day when we had to fly out of Russia again. Didn't understand why, why would the Lord let us leave in the time when we think we can be the most valuable, you know, like sharing the gospel to people that's desperately in need of the gospel right now. Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, all our countries. Uh, we continue to have connections with our teams. And uh, Marinda will share some of the things that God's doing in and through their lives. But um, I was just, as we were worshiping, again reminded about God wanting us to recognize him in everything that we do, wherever we are. Lord, just open my eyes. And we were singing it. Let us see your kingdom come. Your will be done. And uh, I, I want to thank you for praying for our countries. Thank you for praying for Marin and I personally, for Etienne. I think some of you will remember we always have Etienne with us. He's coming soon. Uh, he just didn't have his visa ready yet, but he has it now. So by the end of the month, I think he's, he will be in the States. So uh, just from us, thank you so much. I don't know how to express our gratefulness for the prayers that the people are praying, for standing with us, for not, for not speaking hate speech and, and against what, what's happening, but to say, Lord... You are the God of restoration. You are the God that can use this terrible situation and turn it for the good. And your kingdom can come. Your will can be done in our lives and in all over the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting us again. Marinda will share the word and also what God's been doing over the, the last two years in our countries. Thank you. Um, do you have the clicker? <laughs> it will just be a little easier. <laughs> Thank you so much. So good morning. It is really wonderful to be with you guys, like Erika said. And um, we're just so thankful for what God is doing, that he never stops working. Um, doesn't matter what is happening in the world, he never stops working. And, and it's, it's really amazing to see what the Lord is doing. So I, I just want to share a few thoughts with you from the Word as I also share some testimonies. So I'm going to we'll just do it together. Um, because we've seen God working in a wonderful way in Russia. Um, but it hasn't been like we thought you know, we've been praying for, for Russia, Ukraine, Central Asia, Mongolia, Serbia. We've, we pray for those regions for many years. I mean, we started, um, we, me and Erika served there now for more than 20 years already. 
Um, but especially, I think, about 12 years ago, we started really praying and interceding that God will help us to reach unreached people groups in our region. We call it the Eurasia region. So the Russian-speaking world, you know, all those places that were part of the former Soviet Union. So, so we pray that God will... There's so many still unreached ethnic groups in those regions. Just in Russia alone, there's still more than 100 um, unreached people groups. And so we're praying. We say, God, help us reach them. And we want to see a mighty revival. You know, this church, no, we've been praying for so many years for Kalmykia. And we started going there, the Buddhist Republic in Russia. And, um, and we trust God to send a revival that many churches will be planted in all these villages where there's no churches. And we haven't seen a lot of results. And so what happens when we don't see a lot of results is we sometimes get very discouraged. And I think even churches like us that pray for God's mission and sometimes we get discouraged when we pray and we go and we give and we do and yet we don't see this wonderful results that we want to see. And I want to, in that context, share with you about what God is doing in Russia today. So I want to just start with um, a verse from Psalm 67 because this really highlights God's mission. And this verse, it's, it's really um, a wonderful verse. Actually, this the meaning of this verse, you actually find more than 300 times in the Bible. It's actually the covenant that God spoke to Abram in Genesis 12, verse 1 and 3. When God said to Abram, I will bless you, and through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. So we are blessed to be a blessing so that all nations can hear. And actually Psalm 67 is one of those places that just repeats that covenant. And it says, God be merciful to us and bless us. Look on us with kindness. Some translation says, let your face shine upon us. Look on us with kindness so that, and you know when you see those words, so that, it clearly gives the purpose. God is merciful to us. He bless us. He looks on us with kindness. For what purpose? So that the whole world may know your will. So that all nations may know your salvation. That's God's purpose, I want to say, not only for missionaries. That's God's purpose for every believer. God, use my life for your glory, for your mission. This is God's mission. We, we have a saying, we always say, God is on mission, and then our friends answer, and we are on mission with God. God is on mission, and we are on mission with God. You know, for us, yes, for us, that mission includes Kalmykia, the Buddhist Republic, and Russia, Eurasia. Um, but for you, it includes Ohio, for Johnny, Indiana, um, and the whole world, actually. And um, I, I put some photos on there, just, you know, the, the Kalmykia, the temple there in Kalmykia, and um, some of the Russian ethnic groups you see there. But those other photos are actually of ethnic groups right here in Ohio and in Indiana. And right here in, 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 in Ohio, you know what, I, I, I was amazed when I did a little bit of research. In Ohio, there's more than 75,000 Russians and Ukrainians living in Cleveland, just in Cleveland alone. More than 75,000 in the whole of Ohio, even more. I've seen so many towns, there's lists if you go on the census. It actually shows you the percentage of Russians including Ukrainians and Belarusians, living in Ohio in every little town. It's amazing. Just here, not far from Inglewood, lives the biggest concentrations of Russians and Ukrainians in Dayton, just not far from Inglewood. So God has brought the nations right here to us. 
We don't even have to go to Russia to reach them. We can reach them right here. You see, we, we live in a day and age of, of God's global plan becoming possible right on our doorstep. Actually, just here in Indiana, now lives in Indiana, there's 17,000 Burmese refugees. Burmese refugees, God brought them here. They're totally unreached with the gospel. They are here right in Indiana, um, almost 70,000 people from Czech. And you know, Czech is one of the most atheist countries in the world. Their religion is atheism. They have like, I think, more than almost 80% atheist is their religion. Um, of the population, about 80% says we are atheists. And God brought many of them here to the United States, and many of them live here right in Ohio. More than 70,000, just, just over 70,000 of them. God brought the nations right to us. You know, they're here. And there's lots of Chinese here. There's lots of Indian, Indian students in the universities here in Ohio. Um, God brought them here. India is one of the most unreached countries in the world. So many, more than 2,000 unreached people groups still in India. But yet God brought Indians here where we can so easily reach them with the gospel. You see, God is on mission. And because the church has been so slow going there, he said, let me bring them here. (laughs) And so God has brought so many nations right here to the United States of America where we can so easily reach them. And they are the perfect people to go back and, you know, take the gospel with him. Okay, but actually, I, have a, I want to focus on something a little bit different this morning. You know, so we have, we have this mission field that God is on mission and he brought the nations to us. But, and we pray and we try to strategize and we want to go and we give. But why do we often not see results? And I want to encourage you because when we don't see results and we get discouraged what happens we start to let our hands hang and we start to maybe pray less and go less give less sometimes we even get so discouraged we think am i really making a difference maybe is it really worth trying to do this and we can even stop praying and stop giving and stop going or trying to do something because we get so discouraged and and disillusioned almost and, and then suddenly, we start to fill our lives with other things, and God's mission is not our priority anymore. So why do we? And I think the answer to this question, in the context of God's mission, is found in this concept. Instant versus process. You know, we love, we love instant things. We, we love... Um, you know, mac and cheese, we want the instant. It, it goes much quicker. We don't want to take out the pot and fill it with water and wait, you know, and then put in the macaroni and make it, and then find the cheese and grate it. And, you know, we don't want that process. It takes too much time. We want the quick thing, you know, a minute in the microwave and we have it. We eat it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's true. It's not the same. And, and you remember years ago when we, you know, had to take the spool when you took food photos? You have to take the spool to a, a business and they develop the photos and maybe you get it in two, three days, you get it back. Sometimes it can take, even take a week if you're in Africa or maybe two weeks. And, and, but now we live in a day, I take the photo now, I send it, my family has it in minutes. You know, they have it, the photo on the other side of the world. We live in a culture where we are conditioned and, and we learn that we need the instant, the instant results. And when we don't see the instant results, 
we get a bit frustrated and we get discouraged. But actually, that is not how it is with God. God often works through process. If I say process, no, it means the same. That's South African English, process. I, it means the same as process, okay? So if I don't pronounce it, you know what I'm speaking about. So God often works through process. That's how he works. He, he, yes, we serve an amazing God. He can do miracles. He works and instantly he does something. But most often he chooses not to because he's the God of the journey. The process. He works through process. And he accomplishes many of his plans through process. And so when we do not see that results that we want to see, let's not get discouraged and let our hands hang and stop doing God's mission. Because God is busy working. We just not always see it, what he sees. He's working in the process. And so, you know, what we should do is... You know, just, just look at this. God often works like this. He starts with a little seed, and then it must grow through a process until it becomes the apple tree. That's most often how God works. And I want to show you a few examples from the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2. You know, God could have created the earth in an instant with one word. Let there be earth, and everything was there, even human beings. But he didn't do it that way. He chose a process. He first, you know, separated the waters and then, you know, the land and the water. And then he made, you know, the lights and he made um, the fish and then the animals. And eventually he made man. He chose a process. We also see this process in Exodus 23. This is the story of God taking Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. Wouldn't it have been amazing, you know, if, you know, they leave Egypt the night, the next morning they're in the promised land. That would have been amazing, instantly. But that's not. God took them first on an 11-day journey through the Red Sea and to Kadesh Barnea. And there they stand on the brim of the promised land. But because they got frustrated with the process, they got frustrated with it. They complained. What happened? What happened with the process? It became longer. <laughs> now they had to go through the wilderness for 40 years. A longer process because they became frustrated with the process. And then even after the 40 years, when they got, crossed the Jordan, they didn't just instantly took the promised land. God said, no, I'm not going to give it to you instantly. Listen what Exodus 23 verse 29 and 30 says. I will not drive them out before you in a single year. Otherwise, the land would become desolate and wild animals would multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out ahead of you until you become fruitful and possess the land. They had to take it nation by nation in the fight. God working through process. The animals, the, the animals, the enemies didn't just drop, drop dead instantly. They had to fight. It was a process, conquering nation by nation for them to eventually take hold of the promised land. We see it also in Luke 13. Jesus actually highlights process when he speaks about the kingdom of God. And I know it's very small there. Maybe it's not. Yeah, it's a little bit small, but I will read it to you. This is Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God. He says, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? 
What shall I compare it to? So he's comparing it with something. What is he comparing it to? To a process. Listen what he says. He says, it is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. It's a process like a tree that is growing. The next uh, uh, image he uses, again he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like, yes, that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. A process of the yeast working through the dough. God's kingdom often works through processes. That's how you fulfill his mission and his plans, his purposes. One last example is um, Ezekiel 37. Actually, here God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel about the restoration of Israel. And again, we see, you know, God could have said just to Ezekiel, um, I will make you alive and you will know that I'm the Lord. But he didn't just say, I will make you alive. He explains the process of making Israel alive. He says, I will put sinews on you. Make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I'm the Lord. God, again, explaining process. You see, that's how God thinks. That's his heart, his process. Because that's what happens in process. We grow. You see, God has two purposes. His purpose is twofold. Let me rather say it that way. His purpose is twofold. He wants to reach people from every tribe and nation For his kingdom. And he wants to do it through us. And what happens to us when we are on mission with God? We become mature. When we work with God, we actually grow. We become mature. So that's God's two purposes. That the the unsaved will be saved. That the unreached will be reached. And we as his children become mature as we work with him on that mission. And so that's why he often chooses process to do his mission. He could have sent the angels and the mission would have completed by now. All the nations would have been reached. But why does he choose us? And it's the process of being on mission with him. We become mature, ready for the bridegroom to come. He's coming for a mature bride. And how do we become mature? By working with him on mission. There's actually lots of scriptures about that, but that's not my focus this morning. So, God is not just sitting around tapping his foot, waiting for each thing to happen as quick as possible. He's always busy in the process, in the journey. He he knows where the process is going. Revelation says there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation standing before the throne worshiping Jesus. We know there will be. Hundreds, thousands of Kalmyk worshipping Jesus from all the ethnic groups in Russia that's yet unreached. They will be there. But it's a process. God says they will be there. So we know the end from the beginning. So we don't need to let our hands hang and, and get discouraged. We must just stay with the process. Stay with God. Stay with his process of his mission. Working with him. Nehemiah understood this, and this is the last scripture I'm going to look at. Nehemiah was committed to the process. There's actually in Nehemiah 3, you'll see I reference there five verses. But I think those are the, most, the five most unimportant verses in that book. He says in these five verses, he repeats it actually five times in just 15 verses. And it says the following. They rebuilt the gate. Some translations said they laid the beams. 
set up its door, and installed its bolts and bars. Such redundant information, and yet in 15 verses, he tells it five times. Why does he think it's important to tell us five times that they laid the beam, set up the door, installed its bolt and, and bars? Yeah, because it showed, I think Nehemiah was trying to highlight their system. They were using a system, a process. They had a systematic process for rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And so every time they finished a gate, they moved on and they repeat. And they moved on and they repeat. And then when they were finished with all the gates, they started to build in between the gates. Every family in front of their own home. What a brilliant strategy. You know, if you know this wall is going to protect my family, you're going to make sure it's well built. So they built, every family building the wall in front of his own home. A brilliant strategy. And they, I'm sorry, I'm going, Erika shows me I'm going fast. And then my accent, maybe you don't hear me so well. <laughs> okay. So, so they, they, they built this wall. And he gives us this information to help us see that they were following a process. And he and his team were actually very committed to this process. So, um, I want to say that a process is often hard work and a hundred little things that we have to do and repeat. Do and repeat and repeat and repeat. Many of us, we want to bypass that process of repeat and repeat, and we want to try and find shortcuts. You know, that's when the problems start. That's when the process becomes longer. When we try and shortcut the process. Going through the process is often the only way to accomplish God's purpose. To accomplish his mission. Going through the process. And so we must commit to the process because if we don't, we might forfeit the mission. So I want to tell you there's actually a way to shorten the process. Remember I said when Israel, you know, when they got frustrated with the process, when they went through the desert, on their way to the promised land, God extended the process for them to grow and learn. Well, there's actually one way to shorten the process, and that is be committed to the process. Nehemiah and his team were committed to the process, and you know what? They built that whole wall in just 52 days. That is an, an extreme, amazing achievement. I wish you can see the pictures of that wall. We were in Jerusalem, and um, in Jericho, and, and in all the places in Israel. And we actually saw Nehemiah's wall in Jerusalem. You can see this uh, excavations. It is a wide wall. It's like easily from, from that wall maybe to here. A wide wall that they built with these stones. It's amazing to think. And then they had all these huge gates. And they built all of that in just 52 days. Why? Because they were committed to God's process. If we are committed to the process, God can help us to learn quicker and to go through the process quicker. So, there's actually an amazing, encouraging verse. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. Some translation says strong and immovable. Some translation says do not give up. 
always excel in the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Nothing we do for the Lord is ever in vain. Nothing. So don't think, you know, I'm just spending half an hour praying for Russia and the nations there on the other side of the world. What's the use of that? Is it making a difference? Yes, it is. Nothing we do for the Lord is ever in vain. He's answering those prayers. Even if we do not see these thousands of Kalmyks repenting, God is busy working. And I want to really um, share with you this morning just a few things of what God is doing. You know, God has this big vision. And in this big vision, we trust him that all unreached people groups will be reached and thousands of, from every group will come and worship Jesus. And we haven't seen that yet in this big vision. But we have these glimpses, you know, like these mountaintops every now and then popping up. We have these glimpses of God's process. He is busy working on this big vision. And those little glimpses are so amazing. And I want to share with you some of those little glimpses. The process God is busy with in Russia and Eurasia and what he's doing. And so I want to share with you um, some of that as an encouragement this morning. That what you do has an impact. Even though maybe you think it's not these amazing, outstanding results. But it's snippets of amazingness in God's process. And so... I want to show you the first little snippet is the Nenets people. So right at the time when we started targeting the Kalmyk people, we actually chose five of the unreached ethnic groups in Russia to pray for and to like, have focused prayer and encourage churches to pray for them. We, thought, we felt the Lord said, start with these five. And so we started praying for them, and the Nenets were one of these five. And of course, we later felt God lead, led us to Kalmykia, and we started the ministry there. But we kept on praying for the Nenets for many years. We made video clips about the Nenets and shared it with churches. Johnny and them, every now and then, they show this Nenets video clip, and they pray for the Nenets in, in, in their church in New Life. But we shared it with, with people all over and said, pray for the Nenets. And God is doing something amazing among the Nenets. The Nenets live on the Arctic Circle. They are nomadic people. They live in tents. There's a few Nenets villages. Very hard to reach them. And, um, I mean, if you see the video, there's some, you know, some not-so-nice things that they do and eat and um, how they eat it, raw meat and stuff like that. But, um, but God loves the Nenets. And so, not so long ago, in this past two years, one of our team, one of our teams went actually to the capital city, the capital town of Naryanmar of the Nenets Republic, where these people are mostly concentrated in Russia. And so they went there to do a Kairos course, which is a course about mission, how every believer should be on mission with God, um, in a Russian-speaking church, a Russian church with Russian, you know, ethnic Russians in the church in that city, in that town. And But three of the people in the course were actually Nenets believers that did this course. And when they realized that God has raised them up, that they are believers, but their whole people group is unreached with the gospel, they said, this is our responsibility. We should, and there's no Nenets churches. They said, we should plant a Nenets church right here in Narianmar. And they planted a church. They started reaching out to Nenets, and now... In just two years, they planted a church in Narianmar, a Nenets church. And they said, that is not enough. 
We must, there's so many villages in the tundra, the Arctic, Arctic tundra. Um, there's one village 500 kilometers from, away from them in the ice, snow, unreachable almost. They went there on outreach, did evangelism, and planted another Nenets church. God is amazing. So one of our other teams decided they wanted to do an outreach to the Nenets people, to a specific group of villagers. And they wanted to send a lot of literature ahead of time um, because it's very difficult to get there. You can only go with snowmobile, no cars, um, or you can go with these sleighs that's pulled by... um, Reindeer, that's the word. Thanks, Johnny. And um, they actually, they, the reindeer, breeding reindeer is their business. That's what they do, the nenets. And so, so they wanted to go to this far place, and they wanted to send literature. And so they find, found someone who said, we will take it for you with helicopter if you pay us this much ridiculous cheap price. He said, no, we will do it. Cheap price, cheap price. We will take the literature for you. So they uploaded a lot of Bibles in the nenets language and some um, flyers and stuff. In this helicopter, the helicopter flew there, and on its way decided, this is not worth it, just shoved the stuff out of the helicopter, threw it out. So this team was so discouraged. They thought, man, you know, Lord, but we're going to go anyway. Nothing is going to stop us. So they went on outreach to these villages a few months later. They got there, and they started speaking about Jesus, and these people said, but we have read it in these flyers and Bibles, stuff that fell from the sky. Isn't that amazing? God works in the process. You know, this, this was this, God was setting things up to happen. We serve an amazing God and he is making himself known to the Nenets people. I want to move on because I want to share a few other th- stories. The Tubalar is another unreached people group in Russia. In, the, in Siberia. So, so there was our team, one of our teams went and presented a Kairos course. There at the bottom photo, you see them all with their, with their certificates at the end of the course. It's a full week course. And um, full, like, like about 42 hours is, is the course. And so, so they did this course. And at the end of the course, we always have a scroll. And on the scroll, we, we down, the scroll contains the names of all the unreached people groups in Russia. And it shows their religion and the number of people in that people group. And so that they can pray for them. So we unroll the scroll and we ask everybody to hold it and to pray for the unreached people groups that they see on the scroll right in front of them. So there's this one man in the course. And as he stands and holding the scroll, he sees one of the... Unreached people groups on the scroll is the tubular people. And he says, but my wife is an ethnic tubular. And they are an unreached people group. He never knew this. He said, God, maybe you are saying something to us. And him and his wife prayed and they said, God, you are calling us to go and preach the gospel to the tubular. And they moved there. They sold their house. Actually, because they have a son that is an ethnic tubular, they were allowed to buy ground for very cheap in the Tubala region. And they are building a house there now. They now start, they actually moved there already. And they're starting to plant a church among the Tubala. God works in amazing processes. Just amazing glimpses of this wonderful process. I want to say, Wycliffe works in Russia. They are, the total number of languages in Russia is 97 um, so they don't only speak Russian, there's all these ethnic languages, but about 43 of them don't have a Bible in their ethnic language. 
And so one of the girls that was in one of our courses, she said, she, she went on a few outreaches to Kenya, and then she said, but I feel God is calling me to Bible translation. So she, she left her job, but you know, Russians, they don't get a lot of money, and even now less, and, um, and she, she has no support. They don't have these big mission organizations in Russia. There's no mission organization in Russia. Maybe one or two like YWAM or OM or Wycliffe. But for her to join them, she would have to find support. So her church, a small, small Baptist church, did also the course. And they said, we want to support her. They are giving her, for a Russian church to give 40,000 rubles a month to one person as support. That is astronomical for them. But they are doing it because they say, this is our mission. And so she joined Wycliffe. She did some training. She's now part of them. And they are translating the Bible into their focus is these four, 43 ethnic languages that don't have a Bible. Actually, now at this moment, their project is they're translating Bible stories into the Kalmyk language, the Kalmyks that we are targeting. And we believe maybe these stories is going to play a key role in reaching the Kalmyk. Amazing. God is busy working in his mission, the process of his mission. So I want to quickly tell you about the Soyot. The Soyot is a Turkic Buddhist group um, in the Altai region. And so there was this church. They also did the mission course. And they said, Lord, show us what is your purpose with us as a church. And as a church, they decided we need to find one ethnic group that we as a church are going to reach for the glory of Jesus. And so they opened maps. They had a meeting, a church meeting. Everybody that was interested could come. They had tables with maps and books and the internet. And they did a study. They tried to find an unreached people group. And they found, not too far away from them, the Soyot, which is a total unreached people group. No Christians in, among the Soyot. And they said, we're going to target them. And so they started. They've already done four outreaches to the Soyot people. They haven't seen a lot of results, but they're not letting their hands hang. They say, we're going to continue. This, they feel that this is their purpose as a church, that God has called them so that one day Soyot would be standing in front of Jesus and worship him. And they are so committed to that process. It's just amazing to see this church, their passion, and they're going to do it. And we know they're going to do it because Jesus said, there will be people from the Soyot worshiping him. So, um, and then the Karyaka, I quickly want to... Just in the far peninsula of Kamchatka. So that's a, a right on the far east of Russia is the peninsula of Kamchatka. And the Karyaka are an unreached people group. And so, again, our team went, we ourselves went to Sakhalin, which is just next uh, island in the ocean just um, above Japan. We, we were there. We presented the Kairos course. It was just an amazing experience. And this church, they have a passion to reach the unreached people groups on the island of Sakhalin. There are about four of them. Um, um, I can't remember the name now, but also the, the Karyaka that is on Kamchatka. And so they, they went there just after we returned. They went there again and they sent us this little video clip. Those are three Karyak ladies worshipping Jesus with all their heart. Old, old ladies, babushkas. (laughs) 
worshiping Jesus with all their heart. And they, they said, when we, we saw some interviews, it's in Russian, so I can't really show you, but of these, these Karyak believers now, there's now a small Karyak church, and they said, we should reach all our villages with the gospel of Jesus. It's our responsibility. And so there's this big move starting among the Karyak believers. We really saw just God moving in Russia, especially in the south of Russia. We went to the region of Krasnodar. We, um, we presented a Kairos course in that, that photo on the left, your left at the top. We presented a Kairos course, the, a mission course. And this pastor, he was so touched. He said, we should change how we function as a church. God has a mission. How can we not be on mission with God? He said, how can I equip every one of my members? That's my task, to equip every one of my members to be on mission with God. And so he said, but it's not only for our church. What about all our denominations? He's actually the, the assistant bishop of their denomination in the Krasnodar region. So the next week he said to us, I'm going to get all our pastors together. That top photo on the right is actually 45 of their pastors. He said, I give you two days. Speak to them about the mission of God. And we just preached our hearts out. And, and God, those pastors, one after the other, started coming to us and said, come and help us to train our church. And so we had actually the, the bottom photos are two of those pastors that we went to immediately and did courses in their church of how to be salt and light in your workplace, right where you are. How can you be on mission with God in your job? And, and God is changing. There's such a move. We actually, when we go back in, uh, at the end of May, in June, July, we want to go back to this region and go to more of those churches that are waiting for us. So please pray for that. There's really a move of God. Um, in Ukraine, I must say something about the Ukraine, of course. The war is heartbreaking for us because we have teams in in all three of those nations, in Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, people we love very much. And so it was hard for us. God, what, what's happening? But God said it's a process. And he showed us this one, one of our team members, Konstantin. He's there with his wife and their two children. He had to send his wife and his two children to Moldova. They just over the, it's right next to Ukraine and right next to their city. They are in Odessa. And um, so he sent his family there. But he stayed and his church. And he said... We're not going to become political. We're not going to get involved in hate speech. We're going to fight with fruit. We're going to fight with reconciliation and forgiveness. We're going to fight with love. We're going to just be salt and light. We're going to reach out to people. That church is doing amazing things. Since the war started, they are providing people every day with a hot meal for lunchtime. There's about, I just, um, last night, I, um, I saw again, he said it's 80 people that come to their place for a hot meal. And most of these people, they actually have a service, a prayer meeting, but where they share the word and pray for people and worship um, just before the lunch. And they thought many people will just come for the lunch. All that people come to the service. And they're sharing the gospel. Most of those are unbelievers that now are coming to Christ. They share, they're giving them Bibles, sharing with them about Jesus. And they all turn to Jesus. And they all are so hungry. They are all there every day listening to the word of God and growing. And then they eat their lunch together. That church is now reaching out in the park. They're just doing many things. Um, they're putting all their money together to buy food for all these people that have nothing to eat now. Amazing thing they're doing. And they say, you know, what an opportunity. They see it. Yes. Yes, it's horrible. But what an opportunity for the church to be salt and light. For the church to show the love of Jesus. And they're using this opportunity in an amazing way. How God is working through this process. Even in the midst of war, God is working. And he's bringing people to himself. And I want to end with this. Remember, 
the Chinese bamboo. Um, this is actually amazing. This bamboo, um, and I'm going to just tell you very shortly, this bamboo, when you plant them, the seeds, or the little thingies, plants in the ground, they are covered with the soil, and they grow for five years underground with you ever seeing one leaf come out above the ground. You have to, you have to care for it, water it, and you see nothing happening. You don't even know if it's still growing. Is this really going to come up? You have to keep on watering it for five years. And in the fifth year, somewhere in the fifth year, this little, I just want to get the, the number correct, this little um, Chinese bamboo, I think it shoots up. Now I can't get to it. My tablet is too slow. It shoots up in just six weeks. It shoots up 80 feet. 80 feet in just six weeks. But the process, in the process of five years, it put down good roots. So it was able to shoot up six, uh, 80 feet in six weeks. God is working in the process with us, and, through, and, and he's doing his mission. Let us be like Nehemiah and commit to the process. And say, God, we commit to, your, we commit to you, and as a church, we commit to your mission. Use us for your glory. Show me every day. How I can be on mission with you in my community, here in Ohio, and to the ends of the earth. And we believe God will work. He will continue to show you these glimpses of his mighty work as we are faithful and committed to him and his process. Let's just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the God of process and that you are busy working in us, making us more like Jesus. Lord, help us as we become more like Jesus, that we will not just be more like Jesus inside our own homes, but that we will truly be salt and light to those around us in our communities. Lord, that we will touch lives, that we will affect lives. Here in Englewood, in Ohio, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray that you will bless this church as they have so clearly have a heart for your mission. I pray as, that you will bless them as they pray for Russia and for Eurasia. Lord, bless them. Help them to see little glimpses of your fruit and to be encouraged. To say, yes, Lord, you are working. You are answering those prayers. And Lord, that they will be inspired to pray even more. To do even more for your glory. Lord, I pray that you will just bless them. That this church will truly be a lighthouse in this community. Pray, I just pray that you will bless um, Pastor Caleb, the leaders of this church. Lord, use him for your glory. Let your kingdom come in them and through them to the ends of the earth. Pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.